Welcome to the Spinner Rack, the Marvel New Universe Comics podcast. And New Universe was an independent, self-contained comics book universe or publishing line in print from Marvel Comics that started in 1986 with eight new titles. It was the first all-new shared universe built from scratch, although the idea was used again later. And we're your guides to the new universe. Right, so uh, we'll talk a little bit about ourselves uh, and then we'll talk a little about about the new universe and then uh, give a guide to the eight different issues. Uh, so I'm Andy, uh, one of your podcast co-hosts. Uh, I am a PhD chemist and a teacher currently, a uh, comic book reader since at some point, my father decided to take me to a comic book store and I picked up some issues of G.I. Joe because I like the cartoon. Um, actually met Stephen in chemistry grad school. And do you remember when it was that we figured out that we were both comic book readers? I don't. I don't remember either. At some point in our long journey, we started uh, going to the local store uh, on Friday afternoons? No, Wednesday, right? New comic book day. Oh, you're right. Yeah, so Man. we made a, a usual Wednesday trek around lunchtime to Emerald City Comic Store in Eugene. Yeah, just off campus in yeah. Eugene, Oregon. Uh, buying comics probably in the like Infinite Crisis, Civil War sort of era of Marvel and DC, as far as things go. That's about how I remember it. Yeah. That sounds about right. Um, but yeah, I think we were the only two comic lovers in the era, and at, at some point, uh, that was one of the things I look forward to the most about going to the lab was Wednesdays when I could leave the lab. Also, there's some pretty good lunch options along the way. That's more good. That uh, soup stand. I always yeah. liked the soup and sandwich options they had at uh, I think Marks. Um, and so, so perhaps my I digress. Yeah, so, so my introduction to the new universe was, in fact, from Steven. So I did not know it existed. I don't remember if I had ever really much seen or read any of the books, but right around the beginning of the pandemic, when everything was shut down, I was desperate to go get some comics. And uh, Steven suggested checking out New Universe, maybe Starbrand or DP7 as some of his favorites. and. I couldn't get to the store, but I convinced my wife uh, to let me go on eBay and I bought complete runs of Starbrand and DP7. And that was my uh, intro. And I think I actually quit reading DP7 the first time. I made it pretty far in until it started getting into some of these big, like world changing events that I won't spoil. Um, and I kind of lost interest. <laughs> uh, we're going to go all the way this time and read every single book. And I've been enjoying it so far. Excellent. So I'm Steven, I'm also a chemist, as I said, and I read a good number of the New Universe issues right off the rack when they came out. I remember starting with Night Mask number one and the excitement of, ooh, here's a new universe to check out. I dumped many of them later during a move and um, then had to go back and buy them back several years after that. Um, the curiosity of uh, seeing what 
what did go on in the whole self-contained new universe um, became a, a bit of a, a collecting passion for a bit. Um, and um, the whole new universe line of comics fits about into one short box. Right. If you don't bag and board everything. You do not. Um, so our plan in this uh, podcast is that we are starting with the books as they were released, reading two a week, going through and talking about them and our responses as readers. Um, we will also incorporate discussions about uh, larger observations, like uh, recent ones about the world building behind the new universe or some standout characters we found in the first few issues. Um, and we're not going to look ahead as much as possible to get sort of a naive reader response that you would get uh, in the late 1980s. Um, um, but being in 2022, as we, as we record this, we will be talking a lot about the world around the new universe, the late 80s uh, pop culture milieu. Um, and where we get it, we'll talk about the Marvel inside scoop and what was going on behind the scenes, where we can find information. Right. I still dream of trying to get Jim Shooter on as a guest host. If, if this podcast gets um, interviews with uh, the original creators, we'll be pretty psyched with ourselves. I <laughs> Seems unlikely, but hey, you never know. So what is the new universe, right? Um, so the idea was the new universe was to be less fantastic, right? Less powerful heroes, you know, more realistic. Um, Real-time progression was part of the plan. So the titles would um, all sort of start around the same date and progress roughly at the same time. Um, and that all starts with the white event, right? So prior to white event, uh, do you recall what the date of the white event was? August? July 22, 1986. Uh, right, so July 1986. Um, then the, the world of the new universe was our world, right? So it has this white event, uh, although each title is a little bit variable as to how it interacted or, or whether they reference or how important the white event was. Right. Some of them are, you know, it absolutely starts with the white event and some of them never referred to it and they still haven't met any paranormals in their sort of corner of the world. Um, yeah, we should say that the people who gain superpowers from the white event uh, are called paranormals. Um, right, that's not superheroes and that's very intentional. Yes. Right. So let's see, we, couple of uh, taglines. The new universe was promoted heavily in Marvel Comics uh, in 1986 um, before it came out. So a couple of taglines. Beyond the edge of your imagination begins a new universe. Yeah. I'm having a hard time imagining it because it's beyond the edge of my imagination. <laughs> and new heroes, new legends new universe nice definitely those <laughs> right so so the, the titles chronicle the lives and adventures and so again this is from the from marvel right the, the chronicle the lives and adventures of the most amazing intriguing powerful beings in the universe the world this is the world outside your window 
Their adventures are spectacular, startling, dramatic, and yet real and true to life. The new universe is like nothing else ever done or attempted. For two and a half decades, Marvel Comics has brought the fantastic to life. Now we are bringing life to the fantastic. You can't have any more catchphrases than that. Or can we? (laughs) Give give me a paragraph here. Here's a, a quote from Jim Shooter. During the summer of 1986, Archie Goodwin, Tom DeFalco, a number of other people at Marvel Comics, and I, Jim Shooter, created the new universe. Or more correctly, we simply decided to to put to use a universe hitherto unused in comics, our own, the one we live in, real pipes, real people, real bathrooms, no mer people, no repulsors, no unstable molecules. In fact, no fantasy or fantastic elements at all, except for the very few we introduce carefully. Does it make sense? You bet. As much as the universe outside your window does, a universe where time passes and things change and, well, you know, you live in it. Startling. I like right. it. Jim, Jim Shooter, Universe News, October of 86. So yeah, the, I think the, it, there's a lot of pieces and the one that I read a lot, maybe because it was in the first uh, bull, bullpen bulletin is, you know, I think he had a real problem with like when the Fantastic Forest building would like lift off out of New York and there was like a flat, like no foundation, no pipes, <laughs> like, you know, just, it just, came up right out no no problem no big deal and, and left a, a little flat square in new york city um yeah he he this was part of an essay and it's the new universe was part of marvel's 25th anniversary celebration so that's part of it and he's referring back to yeah fantastic four number one and but it, jim shooter also had experience he was a young man who uh, wrote Legion of Superheroes for DC. And so it was sort of contrasting these even previous generation of, you know, 50s, 60s, Superman, Batman, weren't very realistic at all. Marvel introduced realism, Hold greater on. realism. All right, pause. So Jim Shooter had um, experience at Marvel, but also before that at DC, uh, writing Legion of Superheroes. Um, and so by 86, he was already an experienced hand at this. And he uh, made a point that earlier superheroes were even less realistic, and that in 1961, the Fantastic Four brought a new level of realism that was mostly like interpersonal relationships. And um, the, the um, but that there was still a greater level of realism that comics could achieve and that they might um, find interesting stories out of. So um, we will go into the um, pitch line for each um, new universe title now, which were um, in the Marvel bullpen, bullpen bulletins and a couple other sources at the time. And they describe, uh, the new titles coming that'll come out soon as um, in enticing ways, and we'll give you our comments on what we agree or as, as we go along. All right. Um, do you want to do comments immediately after the uh, the information? Cool. 
So uh, Starbrand, right? uh, so, and of course these are in order of release as well. Uh, so Starbrand, there is a weapon in the universe more powerful than all others. It is called the Starbrand. There is no more coveted, feared, loved, or hated thing in existence. Now this dreaded thing has fallen into the hands of Kenneth Connell, an Earthman. Another man might crumble under the burden. The Starbrand brings its bearer pain, worry, suspicion, fear. Fear that it will be wrested away into the wrong hands. Worse, fear that it is in, in the wrong hands. Another man might live only to pass the dreaded thing on, to find another, but Kenneth Connell is a man like no other. Which is a little intense sounding. Yeah, it sounds a little more intense than the book. Yeah, it sounds reading. like he's ready to become like Green Lantern, Superman, like amazing. He's like the only, he's the only person in the whole universe that can handle this power and responsibility. Um, though really the, the comic's a little more of like an everyman comic, right? So he's dealing with things. Um, you know, at least I get it in my read as a somewhat normal person would yeah there's talk about whether how much uh, this is written by jim shooter um and it's early issues and created by him and john romita jr um and it's sometimes you we wonder if it's autobiographical because it's about a young everyman growing in who grew up in pittsburgh like shooter did um a lot of it is really focuses on the relationships between him and his friends and his many romantic uh, partners or potential partners. Um, and it's a little more realistic than, um, than even Marvel comics were giving at the time. Uh, more, I don't know, PG-13 than PG. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but it's uh, art and story has been very strong and it's just, I would say deservedly sort of a flagship title for Bruce. Yeah. Okay. And I'll segue into Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. She cares about what's right, not what the rules say. She's Jenny Swenson, a highly respected full professor of applied engineering at MIT though nobody calls her ma'am or professor or anything too dignified. Her daddy called her Spitfire before he died or was murdered. Ooh. Jenny suspects that her scientist father was killed by his employer Fritz Kratzi after he learned how they intended to use his revolutionary discoveries in cybernetics and before he could destroy his work. With the aid of five outstanding MIT or the toot students, she steals her father's entire lab, including his technological masterpiece, the Max, Man Amplified Experiment. Spitfire and her computer hacking comrades, the troubleshooters, are ready to risk their careers, their freedom, even their lives for justice. And if it's fun along the way, well, so much the better. As we mentioned, uh outside of the podcast this is clearly the longest of the introductions um, hey, when you're talking about the toot you, you just keep going right it's, it's hard to stop the toot is the place to be yeah um so spitfire is uh, yeah jenny swenson this uh, engineering professor who's um, 
don't know, she's half a fugitive and half carrying on a vendetta against this guy who she blames for her father's death. Um, she blames correctly, but um, there's- Hey, a, hey, no spoilers. Sorry. There's an evil sort of conspiracy in the world um, behind uh, some of the things she's observed. Uh, and the impression we had going in that it would be like real genius with uh, more sort of shenanigans and hijinks from the computer kids or the, um, yeah, the yeah. computer hacking comrades, the troubleshooters um, has been, it's been more, um, I don't know, action, I think with her and her fight against these uh, nefarious characters. Yeah, that's very much true. It's a uh, it's a little more focused on Jenny, and she get she's the title character, um, and a little less, and her her arc, I guess, more so than the the students and the and the fun along the way to some degree. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's our second book uh, after Spitfire is Psy Four. It's a nice short one this time. Uh, one is a psychic healer. One can project his astral self. One is a telepath. One is a telekinetic. One can use psionic powers to explode things. <laughs> oh yeah. Have divided their vulnerable to exploitation by individuals, by organizations, by governments. United, they can mind meld and create a single being who possesses all of their para paranormal abilities. United, they're invincible. So yeah. Um, it's a, it's a paranormal team that's not really a team, right? So our Cyforce group, um, at least early on, because we haven't read ahead too far, you know, we're looking at uh, a bunch of kids uh, trying to get by, trying to survive. It's not a bunch of kids trying to, um, you know, correct injustices or fight bad guys, it, uh, it is a much more realistic, uh, grounded, you know, take on a bunch of kids who didn't really know each other, except, you know, kind of forced together and, and they have these powers. Um, so yeah, yeah we, we have not we... seen them united yet. So. <laughs> no, no, they, um, it's very much a teen book. Um, they're high school student age. Um, and uh, we, we, Early on, described it as the Breakfast Club um, meets I don't know, New Mutants, X-Men, um, which is a good place to start. Uh, where we, the characters are um, coming together and they're very distinct. And so far, we're having fun with that. Nightmask, he's Keith Remsen. She's his sister, Teddy. Together, they run a unique psychoanalytical consulting service. With Teddy's help, Keith can enter the dreams of others, roam the labyrinths of their mind, and in the process, help the seriously disturbed. Keith remains anonymous in their clients' dreams, however, protected from their psychological defenses by a psychophysically manifested camouflage. It's called the Night Mask. Um, Night Mask is a, is a lot like a movie called Dreamscape, if you've ever seen that. Um, it's about a person who can enter the dreams of others, as they say. Um, he and his sister are both high school to college age. 
so um, they're not professional psycho psychologists themselves, um, but they have uh, the story background gives um, them a chance to sort of go into people's minds, have a lot of dream imagery, and uh, sort of search through um, clues to try to puzzle out what's really bothering the patients. So it's a sort of uh, very self-contained book so far. So I know there's definitely some night mask crossovers. So looking forward to that, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, getting, it's one thing to get into the mind of you know, troubled people, but to get into the mind of other paranormals and dig around should be an interesting step. Yeah, one would imagine. Uh, so next we have Mark Hazard Merck combat it is what he does best he's mark hazard a vietnam veteran who has gone on to become a soldier of fortune selling his fighting abilities to military causes he believes in or at least can live with it has cost him though cost him his wife his son the love of his parents the other mercs are mark's only family now but what choice does he have combat is what mark hazard does best Right. So, so this is actually pretty spot on. Um, I made the comment in a podcast at some point, you know, so although it cost him his wife and his son, that's only through divorce and alienation. Uh, his wife and son are okay and actually do show up in the book uh, and are a, a fun part of it as well. So the, the book is really all about his life, you know, but it's not only an action book. Uh, it, it does have a lot about him just trying to get by and, uh, and get through his life in, in probably the best way possible. Uh, from what we've read so far, it's been one of my favorites, but that's Mark yeah, Hazard Merck. It's combat is what he does best. Uh, it's a good uh, sort of half war book. Um, and then, yeah, that is job or his career does bring conflict home to him so he's had some interesting uh encounters on uh, american soil as well as overseas and uh yeah in terms of um action and uh, personality it, it really adds up well as a sort of 80s action hero is kind of unusual yeah i imagine if, if, if you were doing like a movie trailer it'd be like mark hazard can handle anything the world throws at him you know guns knives rebels terrorists assassins but can he handle his son <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah it's uh i mean it yeah it could it could work well as a comedy as well but um it's played pretty straight so. it is yeah <laughs> but he has to he's good at good at combat good at dealing with high pressure situations uh, yeah, but some of that is kind of figuring out how to take those skills in the real world and not get arrested. Yeah, and this is uh, without um, superpowers, I should say. Correct. On the other hand, Kickers Inc., Jack Magniconti, the highest paid professional athlete in the world, perhaps the most gifted physical specimen ever to wear a football uniform, has a problem. Yesterday, suddenly, by means he can't understand, he became much stronger, much faster than before. It cost him the life of his brother. It will change his life forever. 
and that's just the beginning. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Yeah, this is a uh, an interesting. Uh, it's a little lighter than a lot of, than most of the other titles. Sort of. It's yeah. It's either that or aimed at a younger audience. It's a um, <clears throat> group of professional football players, sort of in their off season, forming a charity of last resort for people. So when people have uh, problems they don't know how to solve or who to come to, they can call Kickers Inc. If the A team is too busy. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're a very public group. Um, they have uniforms that they don't wear all the time. Uh, it's definitely the most uh, Jack Kirby inspired title I may have ever seen. You can yeah. kind of imagine it. I, I don't think we've figured this one out yet uh, from what's out there now, from what we've read through the podcast. It's an interesting book for sure. It's definitely, it's not NFL super pro, right? It's not like a, a football related, you know, garbage comic. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is fairly interesting. Sorry, NFL Super Pro. You were a really bad book. <laughs> this is not the NFL Super Pro podcast. <laughs> That'll be, we'll do that one next. <laughs> I would probably, uh, yeah. There's only so much you can make fun of. <laughs> anyway, uh, next up is Justice. Um, Justice with a V. He was a warrior, a law officer in his own world. He has the awesome power to destroy, to shield, to protect, and to read the true nature of a man by his aura. Now, how he came to this place, he cannot remember, but this he knows. The good must be protected and the evil must be exterminated. He is justice. All right, so it's a good uh, fish out of water kind of story. Uh, his, he's a little atypical as not a normal person living in 1986 that became a paranormal through the white event it's more uh, a warrior transported to our world somehow during the white event and you know has to kind of learn how to, to survive and interact uh, while meeting uh, out justice right he, uh, yeah mark hazard merc and justice are our two comics where we keep a kill count <laughs> Yeah, they tend to do a lot of uh, uh, marking people. Yeah, yeah. The uh, absolutely the the rule in most superhero universes of uh, absolutely never kill anyone is um, widely ignored in the universe. Um, in those particular two books, at least, um, Justice is a very interesting. Um, character he's a he's a the, the sort of um over the top um death wish meets terminator in some ways but he's also a very sort of inter uh, innocent and moral um judge um who's always uh, trying to figure out how to what he's doing here and how he can get home so he's a sympathetic character even if it's a little uh <laughs> bloody at times yeah Absolutely. Um, and then the last one is DP7. And DP stands for Displaced Paranormals. There's seven of them. They are strange. They are horrifying. 
They are constantly ridiculed. They are seven people out of place in the world. Seven people afraid of what they are, afraid of what might become of them. Seven of the most dangerous beings ever to walk the face of the earth. Um, I, so. <laughs> yeah, so these, that's a little off. Yeah, I mean, they're not constantly ridiculed because they, they sort of, these are people who developed powers from the white event, probably, and went to a um, clinic that was interested in helping them, quote unquote. And once they uh, thought that they were in danger there, they escaped and have been on the run um, the last couple of issues. Spoiling yeah. the book, man. I'm sorry. They're, um, uh, they're the closest thing to the X-Men uh, probably in the new universe. Yeah. Um, so again, they, like the X-Men were kind of a team usually with some sort of purpose, right? You know, they were out there to protect mutants or, you know, to train people to survive in the world, you know, where DP7, again, is just a bunch of people who happen to come together and are trying to get by, right? Uh, and it's yeah. interesting. It, it sounds like a Seinfeld episode or something like, you know, there's no plot or something. But uh, in fact, you know, the trying to get by is, is generally very well done in the u new universe because it's a pretty new concept for comics, especially at the time. It's just kind of, you know, how do you deal with powers, right? Because the whole world at this point in the new universe does not know about people with paranormal abilities. Uh, and you can imagine how well that would go over, right? So yeah, it's a lot of, uh, yeah, what do you, I was what do, you say do? Where do you turn, right? Who, who do we got to help us? Nobody. Nobody, yeah. I was gonna say the horrifying, um, I mean, it's not like they're, um, most of them aren't visibly paranormal, but um, like the there's, uh, some of them did get like kicked out of their homes basically, because their family was disgusted by whatever was happening with them. Um, so yeah, it's a, um, it's not so much like yeah, learning about your powers as sort of trying to survive because your powers have made you an outsider. Um, it's written by Mark Gruenwald and drawn by Paul Ryan. Um, this is the most consistent um, art team and writing team, uh, I think on any, universe title and um generally it's been very well done yeah 32 issues in an annual right <laughs> they, they made it to the end so um those are the pitches and our thoughts on them uh for the new universe titles as they came out and uh, i'm sorry i may have spoiled a couple of things but uh so far andy and i are i've just finished the issue number threes. Um, so there's still plenty of time for you to join us on our journey through the new universe. Um, we would recommend that people haunt the back issue bins, the quarter bins um, for these. It should be pretty easy to find, particularly the first year of uh, printing. Um, there was also, I found a lot of times, stores would have um, uh, for the one or for the series that lasted a year, they'd have, you know, here's all 12 of you know, this, this series uh, for you know, 10 bucks or something. 
which is yeah. a pretty good deal. Um, and then there was a couple of trade paperbacks that have come out uh, five or 10 years ago. Um, Comixology still has uh, two collections of Starbrand, uh, one of Cyforce, uh, one of Nightmask, and I think one of DP7. But um, we will try to refrain from spoiling or overanalyzing the future. Um, and as we said, we'll look at um, the sort of information that came out that was available at the time from Marvel Checklist or Marvel Age Magazine. But uh, we're not going to look to the end too often with these things. So you can also um, email us in the meantime at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. Any other thoughts? Yeah, uh, keep the look, keep on the lookout. Uh, we're likely to do some little promotions and uh, maybe some giveaways. Uh, we have a website you can find through RSS, which publishes our podcast. Um, lots of places to do grand new universe things. Uh, it's also sort of conveniently set up that if you just want to follow one title or two, um, you you can because each issue or each episode will have say star brand and uh star brand number one and spitfire number one and then a month or so later just like the comic book had come out star brand number two and spitfire number two so uh, though i definitely recommend to replicate the 1986 experience right it, it's been a good experience um and i think you'll find although there is um uh negativity around the new universe um you know, if you kind of go into it with an open mind, like I have, uh, it's, it's all pretty good, right? It's, it's not, it's all uh, enjoyable. Um, and it's got a lot of fun 80s pop culture <laughs> callbacks to uh, get add a little extra bonus. So yeah, we hope you come and join us and listen to us ramble on about comics for a good long time. Awesome. All right. Well, see you back next time at the Spinner Rack. Go check out our stuff and uh yeah enjoy enjoy <laughs>